She's a police sergeant. Her husband, who was also a police officer, was involved in a fatal line of duty shooting. He was fired, arrested, charged, tried, and convicted. Is now doing 25 years in prison, and she's here to tell their story on the Law Enforcement Today show. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T radio show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T radio show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Contacts from Alabama. We have Keelan Darby on the phone. Keelan is a police sergeant. And first of all, thank you for your service, Keelan. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And secondly, a, you, uh, I want to appreciate you being a guest on Law Enforcement Today. We're going to talk about something, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. This is a tough, tough, difficult conversation we're going to have. So I appreciate you wanting to tell your story. Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell it because so many people don't know. I just had I went through that yesterday. I went through an interview for a broadcasting school, and the guy it was a great guy. He's a young man. He's 21, and he's like, I never knew police went through this sort of stuff. I didn't know this happened. I never knew. How come I didn't know? I said, because no one's telling you. We've been right. relying on the news media to tell our stories for so long, and they've done a horrible job, number one. But number two, now they're so biased in their reporting. The headlines are so accusatory. When you look in the body of the news story, for example, a newspaper, it often exonerates the officer, but the headline makes them look horrible. And that's all people read. Right. And it makes me angry. It makes me really angry, Keelan, because I did the job and it's tough. And you've, you've been doing a job too. It's tough. And I'm not saying I look for sympathy. I don't want a parade. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I still find it very, very awkward when people say, thank you for your service. I never know what to say. I never know how to answer it. Yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult situation, but um, his story needs to be told. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Well, you are married to a, a former police officer, and I, I rarely do I correct people on things. And they'll say, oh, yeah, meet my friend Jay or John Jay. He's a, an ex-police officer. Said, no, no, I'm not. I'm retired. Uh, you're retired. You have former, mm-hmm. then you have ex. And ex usually means they've done something very, very wrong, and they quit, or they were fired. Your husband, he was a police officer got into a fatal line of duty shooting and the worst case scenario happened, correct? Correct. So quick synopsis, uh, he was with Huntsville Police Department. We both started at our departments respectfully in 2016. In uh, April 3rd, 2018, he was involved in an on-duty shooting involving a man who called dispatch and said, I've got a gun. I'm going to blow my brains out. The front door's open. So any officer would recognize that as a potential ambush. Uh, he was not dispatched to it. He responded after officers who were dispatched asked for additional help. He got there as a third man on scene, expecting that a perimeter would have been set, because that's what we're taught in law enforcement nationwide. He don't go into a house or a structure with a person by themselves with a gun. And so he grabbed his shotgun, thinking that a perimeter would have been set, and a perimeter would, or a shotgun would have been better. 
uh, in that situation, gets on scene, doesn't see the officers, runs up to the house, sees the female officer inside the house with no cover or concealment, 20 feet away from a guy with a gun to his head, and the other officer standing in the fatal funnel doorway. They're not being able, they're not able to talk to him uh, efficiently. They're not giving him good directions, good commands to drop the gun. Then advises the officers, point your gun at him. He can shoot you. Uh, he tells Parker, the individual, to drop the gun. Uh, the female officer puts her gun on Parker, and then you can see in her body camera footage, she shifts her whole body towards Ben, comes off target, and says, he's not going to shoot us, and put, puts her gun back down. Ben comes in, takes control of the scene, puts his gun on the guy, drop the gun. Parker says, no, I'm not going to do it. Ben tells him again, I'm not going to tell you again, drop the gun. Uh, Parker says no, and as he's doing that, he shrugs his shoulders, and the gun comes forward towards Ben and the other two officers. Ben sees and recognizes that as a threat to their lives and eliminates that threat. Like you're supposed to do. Uh, this is goes, what you're supposed to do. This like is you're not. Supposed to do. Yeah, look, you're, you're police. I'm retired police, and we'll talk about as a sergeant what you're supposed to do and how you handle situations like this. But one of the things as a police officer we're always taught is that we we looked out for our own safety first, then our our other officers second. And you had an obligation as a police officer that if anybody threatened the life or safety of anybody else in your presence, you took action. But if they they threatened the life and safety of another officer near you, your side partner, you were required to do something. If you didn't, I hate to say it. You were the shame of the department, shame of the agency. Yeah, and I mean it's it's codified in the law book um, in for Alabama. That is a statute that if you are presented with um, an imminent threat to your life, you are required. You are supposed to eliminate that threat, and that's exactly what Ben did. Um, he gets put on. All three of them get put on administrative leave. They go through an incident review board within the department, which. Uh, looks through the shooting to see if it was justified or not. Um, the board came to the conclusion that Ben was completely justified and did everything that he was supposed to do. He did not receive any discipline or remedial training. The other two officers were found not in policy and were disciplined and went through remedial training on lack of threat assessment. He went back to the street. All three of them went back to the street later that month, end of April, and by the end of May, Ben got pulled into the chief's office, and they said, hey, the DA is, gonna, is looking to charge you with murder. We're pulling you from the street. So from May to August, the district attorney and the chief of police went back and forth, and um, the district attorney said, if you fire him, we won't charge him. We won't press charges. And the chief said, no, I didn't. he didn't do anything wrong. He followed his training. He followed uh, national standard, state law. We're not doing that. August 3rd, 2018, Ben was arrested for murder, was booked, formally booked in and out of the Madison County Jail. We had to pay his bond to get him to come home, and he was put on administrative duty. At no point in time did the police department or the city not support him. In fact, the uh, mayor and the chief both stated, Ben Darby is not a murderer, and that's a direct quote. Uh, they had his back the entire time. Um, we go to a qualified immunity hearing in 2019. The judge issues no decision, 
and she doesn't give a reason for it. So he was not given qualified immunity. Uh, 2020, COVID happened, so everything got stalled in the court system. May 3rd, 2021, we go to trial, and it's closed to the public, including myself, because of COVID and because the prosecution didn't want um, officers in the courtroom to affect the jury's decision. Yeah, well, what's so what I'm saying? They we don't want to have courted. uniform police there because they feel it sways the jury. Right, right. So we were forced to watch the trial via Zoom in a separate room. Um, and certain points during the trial, the uh, feed would be cut. And we didn't know what was going on because we weren't in the courtroom. We're going to take a short break um, on that we, note. We're talking with Keelan Darby. She's a police sergeant. Her husband, Ben Darby, was a police officer involved in a fatal shooting. He was arrested, tried, convicted, is doing 25 years. We're going to talk more about their ordeal and how you can help. This is the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing. Test, don't guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's BioUnique Boutique program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to HarmonyWithFood.com and click on the testing tab. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Return a conversation with Keelan Darby, a police sergeant. Her husband, Ben Darby, was a police officer in Alabama, and he was involved in a fatal shooting. We, we'll, we'll talk more about the politics and the pressure, but he was eventually arrested, charged, convicted, and is serving 25 years in prison for something that police are pretty much required to do. Keelan, before we get started back, I got to say this. You're doing a really good job not being emotional. Uh, and with police, there is a, uh, we get in this mode of like we're testifying in court. And we, we're mm-hmm. taught not to be emotional. And you learn how not to be emotional when you're testifying. I know you know what that's like. But it's also difficult to turn right. off the human side. When we're on scene and really bad stuff, it's really difficult to turn that off, especially if we came from something really traumatic before. So for you to be able to talk about what happened to you, your family, your husband in, in such a civilized manner, it's hats off to you because I don't think I could do that. I, I'll be honest with you. I've had people say to me, and I've been retired now over 30 years. I was 33 and I was retired. And when I get ramped up, Keelan, people know. And they start backing up. Yeah. Um, so my hat's off to you for, for staying level-headed. Before we went to break, you, you're talking about the trial. And the prosecutor did not want uniformed police there because of COVID. Convenient excuse. But the main <laughs> reason why is because it can sway a jury. And you had to watch via Zoom. With a lot of these trials, and for those right. who don't know, you think, okay, the facts will come out. They'll be acquitted. Not a big deal. Well, there's a lot of hanky-panky that goes on with trials, aren't there? 
Yeah. And so in Ben's case, um, you know, we didn't know what was going on because the screen would go black. And when it came back on, the person who was on the screen before wasn't there anymore. So later on, we learned after talking to Ben on breaks and stuff, um, the judge didn't allow certain people who were key witnesses um, to testify about exculpatory evidence that exonerates Ben. Um, the background of Mr. Parker, the individual that Ben had shot that day on how he thought about police and his feelings towards police and how he had a plan to kill a police officer. And he almost did that April 3rd, 2018. Um, Ben's training instructor who taught him in the police academy was involved in a shooting and he had used his specific scenario in the police police academy curriculum in when they're teaching action versus reaction. Action is always going to beat reaction. And he wasn't allowed to testify. And when I saw Officer Moore get on the stand, I knew his background. And I just smiled. I was like, well, this is going to be good. You know, this is going to come out. And he got on the stand. He stated his name. He got sworn in. And the TV got cut off. And I thought, oh, no, like, they have to let him testify. There's no reason why he can't. And um, talking later to Ben, in both of the situations, the judge uh, commanded the jury to be escorted out of the room. And both the neighbor and um, Officer Moore were allowed to testify to the court reporter, but not to the jury. So it's allowed to go on the court record, their testimony, but the 12 people who are going to make the decision as to whether or not Ben Darby is a murderer aren't allowed to hear that testimony. And that, that's the thing that kills me. Sense. Well, here's the thing. And I, 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 I caution myself to say, you know, I'm familiar with the case because I'm not. I'm, I only go by what I've read. And from mm-hmm. what I've read, and I'll be honest with you, as a retired police sergeant, and people send me videos all the time and ask, like, I'm some sort of expert on this. I'm not. And secondly, I don't watch those videos because... To be quite honestly, Keelan, it throws me right back into the the physical state of, and, and mental state of mind mm-hmm. of being in these life and death situations, and I don't want to be there. I've been through enough of that. But from what I read, right. and I, I caution people, the newspaper is not always accurate. Their job is not to require is is not required to report facts. Their job is to get eyeballs and increase people purchasing their products so they can get more revenue from advertisers. That's their job. So when I say I'm familiar with the case, as a retired police sergeant, I don't see anything, not one iota of anything that Ben did wrong. No, because he didn't, because he did exactly as he was trained. And furthermore, we both attended a FBI officer survival school six months prior to his shooting. And guess what one of the scenarios was? Exactly that, I'm sure. His case from that day, exactly that case, exactly his case. And... We all shot during the scenario, and the instructor um, who came to testify at court and was not allowed to testify completely because of the FBI standard and the state and whatever, they didn't allow him to fully testify to the case. And But every one of us shot in that scenario. So how can you teach us? and have that FBI standard, and then you have, it's codified in Alabama state law, you will take out this threat if it's presented in front of you. And then he goes and does that, and he gets 25 years. That's the thing. That, it's that, asinine. That's the thing that you really— You can't ask cops. You can't, well, and, and that's a great point you brought up. He w- They were called to the scene. It's not like they initiated this on their own. 
This person had a plan. Correct. And mm-hmm. even in the academy, Correct. and people don't understand this, and I'd love to do some videos of this. We did the thing with the old red gun, which is, you know, a replica. And mm-hmm. the bad guy, the so-called bad guy, another instructor, another police officer, would have the gun fully hanging by their side, not pointed at you. And you had your gun out, another replica, pointed at them. And he said, when yes. you see a sign of a threat, you respond. And every time, yes. every time, the, bad, the so-called bad guy with a gun, by, when, by the time he pulled it up and pointed and went bang, bang, you already shot twice before you could react. Every time. Yes, and that was not allowed. The jury wasn't allowed to see that demonstration. Right, but that's, that's human nature. You can't react quicker. They're really like right. the top track stars. Right. When the gun goes off and they run, they're maybe a quarter of a second. Everybody else like three quarters of a second. And here's the problem, Keelan. You know this. I know this. Even with edge weapons, if someone is 10, 15 feet away, they can get to you and start stabbing you before you can even respond. Yes. So yep. if you have your gun out, and even if you got your gun out pointing at them, which we did quite often, you're still going to lose if they're close enough. And if, we, if they're armed with a gun, you right. really don't have any reaction time. Right. I've, I've done several video interviews via Zoom or whatever with um, different organizations, and I've done that. I've told the, the host, point, your, point a gun at me, point your finger gun, and I'm going to have my finger gun out. And I redo Ben's scenario. And I beat them every time. And it's not because I've gotten good at practicing this because I use that as a tool to explain it to people. It's just it is what it is. Action will always beat reaction. Always. So Jason wasn't allowed. Yes. Jason wasn't allowed. Um, Officer Moore, he wasn't allowed to testify to the jury. He testified to the court record. So all of those testimony was on the court record. Um, and then during jury instructions, the judge wouldn't allow the jury to be charged with um, understanding Graham versus Connor. Right. Oh, really? Well, Well, let's do this. There's so much to dive in on that conversation alone. Let's take a short break. We're talking with Keelan Darby. She is a police sergeant in Alabama. Her husband, Ben Darby, who is also a police officer, was involved in a fatal line of duty shooting. He was arrested, tried, convicted, and now serving 25 years in prison. When we return, we'll talk more about the incident, her response, her reaction, how it's impacted her, and how you can help. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at... L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. I'm John J. Wiley, returning to a conversation with Keelan Darby. Keelan is a police sergeant in Alabama. Her husband, Ben Darby, who was also a police officer, was involved in a fatal line-of-duty shooting. He was arrested, tried, convicted, and now serving 25 years in prison. And she says, wrongfully so. And I am inclined to agree 100%. Before we went to break, Keelan, we started talking about Graham versus Connor, and there's been so many different 
cases that involve police that the law is a federal law. And every every trial lawyer knows this. Every judge knows this. But here's my line of thinking, and I want to get to really into your story in a moment. When I was a cop, I used to think, man, if you got arrested and you were tried for something, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. You you out of you did something wrong. Ever since <laughs> cases that have hit the news, where and I'll give you an example, we had the Freddie Gray my old department, the officers were all arrested and tried and there were a lot of charges were dismissed. They're found not guilty. They were dismissed on their face in court because they weren't guilty of anything. They did nothing wrong. But the state's right. attorney took them to trial for political reasons and for political gain. And then kind of, and I hate to use this term, cooked the books. There's a lot of procedural things that you can do in trial to try to avoid. For example, the killer, uh, the, the the guy who's killed, his prior past situation, his comments online, his attitudes that he made very vocal about police, that was not allowed in trial, correct? Correct. Yeah, that was that was uh, told that that didn't uh, matter to Ben's case. And which, also, quite frankly, it does. All the officers that that are experts, they're recognized as experts in courts. They were not allowed to. to testify in front of a jury as well, clearing and exonerating your husband. Right. Not not uh, to the full extent that they should have been. Right. So here, here's I want to go into. There's certain nightmares I most police have. And one of them is the gun doesn't work for whatever reason. Or it, it hurts right. and is a bystander. The other one that many of us live with is you do everything by the book. You do what you're supposed to do. You have no malice in your heart. None of that stuff. And you wind up, for political reasons, wind up convicted and tried or persecuted, prosecuted, all those mm-hmm. things, and your family pays a price. And that's basically what happened with Ben and you as well. Yeah. So we go through the trial, even though so many things went wrong as far as I could see, because again, I wasn't allowed in there with him. Um, we go to the uh, the verdict hearing. And the judge gets up there and she reads it and she says he's guilty. And I remember um, I collapsed and I just started bawling because I, I didn't expect that at all. Um, I Ben and I both expected a 99% chance of a hung jury and we would get another trial or a, one, a 1% chance of a full acquittal. Um, the conviction was not in our mind at all. And, um, there was probably 50 people in the room and the the room got cleared and, um, my mother-in-law was there my father-in-law was there and, uh, we were just crying because we were just so shocked. And, um, my father-in-law left to go see what he needed to do to help Ben and uh, a deputy came up to me, and he said, Mrs. Darby, I need you to follow me. And I said, well, where are we going? You know, like, because I, I just was so lost. And he said, I'm taking you to Ben. And uh, so I took my mother-in-law, and we went with this deputy, and I was able to see Ben for a few minutes. Um, and I gave him a hug, and I kissed him. And he said, Keelan, uh, this isn't over. God's with us, and we're going to get through this. And I didn't see him after that for nine months um, because of COVID. Or at least that's what they blamed it on. Um, 
he wasn't allowed any visitors. So he went, he was in the uh, county jail for a month in complete solitary. Uh, and then he was transferred to Kilby, which is like the state uh, farm before you go to your, your uh, facility that you're going to serve your time at. And when he went there, he was in complete um, isolation. So he spent seven weeks in isolation, never saw a human contact unless a guard came and checked on him, which was maybe every three or four days. Um, and all this time, I never knew when I was going to see him or when I was going to get a phone call. And every time the phone rang, my heart would jump because I would think maybe it's Ben, and it never was. Um, he wasn't allowed to get a phone call. Um maybe every four days and it was a 15 minute phone call and he said that he was told you can either call your wife for 15 minutes or you can go take a shower and so he finally got transferred to his present facility um october of 2021 and where he's at now technically he's in protective custody um but i say that loosely because it's not he's not safe um he's been in multiple fights, people have tried to take his life um, because the guys that are in there with him aren't of the protective custody status. Um, PC being you should be a police officer, a government official, a judge, um, someone like that. And he's got real life bad guys in there with him. Um, right now, I do get to talk to him every day. Um, as long as he has money on his account, um, he's able to make a phone call out. So I talked to him about 30 minutes before our conversation now. And, um, you know, it's, we get 15 minute phone calls at a time, but he's able to call me. Um, I'm not able to call him. Um, I'm allowed to see him once a month, um, the first weekend of that month. So I'll actually get to see him on Saturday for about an hour and a half. And, uh, it's really the only time that I can have a true conversation with him because it's not being recorded. Every time he calls me, it's being recorded. So I can't truly talk to him because someone's always listening. And Here's have, the thing, Keelan, that people Part of me wants to say something to make it better. And this is the cop in, in me that there, there's nothing mm-hmm. to say. There, there's not, it, there's, this is not supposed to happen. This is like the worst nightmare come to life. Yeah, and you know when he when it when this all started, the judge put a gag order on it, so we weren't allowed to talk about it. Because if we did, then I would go to jail too. So I wasn't given clearance from our attorneys until um, February of last year, and so from March of twenty twenty one until whenever Ben comes home, um, I've had the loudest voice for him, and really the only voice for him because he can't speak out. Um, last year, I traveled to six different states talking about Ben and getting on different people's shows and raising support. Um, we have the support of the Pipe Hitter Foundation, which is Eddie and Andrea Gallagher. Um, he was a Navy SEAL who was um, wrongfully charged with uh, murder in the military. And he spent nine months in pretrial confinement and was later acquitted. Right. But, you know, I got to sit down with the Gallaghers um, around Christmas time and they truly are the only ones that understand what I'm going through and what Ben's going through because they've lived it 110%. Um, and we're just so thankful for their support and to have their stamp of approval um, on what I'm trying to do for Ben because they get it because they they lived it. 
you know. Yeah, and I, I would um, love to, so to many other... talk with Eddie and Andrea Gallagher uh, separately and have them both on the show because people don't hear that story. We we see what happens no. in the news media. There's trials by news media all the time. People in the United States are supposed to be presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. And then you have appeals, which I'm sure you'll win on appeal because there's so many things that sound just horrible about this case. We're talking with Keelan Darby, her husband. She's a police sergeant. Her husband, Ben Darby, a police officer time, was involved in a fatal line of duty shooting. He was... Charge of murder and convicted doing 25 years. We're going to turn our conversation in a few moments. Don't go anywhere. I promise you, you don't want to miss what's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll be right back. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. See you there. This is John J. Wiley in the Law Enforcement Today Show, returning our conversation with Keelan Darby. She's a police sergeant in Alabama. Her husband, police officer Ben Darby, was involved in a fatal line of duty shooting on a call and was charged of murder, was convicted in court, and is sentenced to 25 years in prison. And uh, Keelan would say, wrongfully accused and wrongfully convicted. And I, I agree 100%. I got to ask the obvious question, Keelan. By the way, great na- name. My grandparents immigrated from Ireland when they were 16. So I, I love the name. Thank you. You're a police sergeant now. You were an active duty police officer when this occurred, and you're still doing the job. How how how, mm-hmm. how do you do this, knowing that this has happened? How how do you maintain a professional attitude and do the right thing? I I know how, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, so um, it goes back to why I started this job. You know, um, you need good police officers out there because, unfortunately, just like there's bad bankers and bad lawyers and bad teachers, there are bad police officers out there. Um, I wanted to do this job because I wanted to help people. And, you know, that's just a standard answer. If you ask any police officer, you know, why did you want to do this job? Um, but I really do feel called to do this. And, um, I think I've done, I've done well in the short time that I've been a police officer over the last seven years. Um, and I've seen the ability that I've had to help other people, um, get out of, the different things that they get into, whether it be addiction or drunk driving or help making a difference in a kid's life one day. Um, And, you know, honestly, it also comes back to, I don't work for Madison County where Ben did. Um, I know that I have the support of my district attorney and they're not going to convict a cop for doing their job. That's what it comes down to for me because I've had several, I mean, the guys that I supervise, they'll come up to me and they'll, hey, Sarge, um, I don't really want to offend you, but why are you still here, you know, with everything that you've gone through? And it's eye-opening to them to see how seriously I take this job. That, that, um, that would be my we've response. had several calls. And I, I would probably be a little bit rougher than you in my response, but here, here's, I love police. I really do. 
But here's my assessment of police. Number one, when it's a really bad situation, all the tactical experts come out. and Well, if I was there, I would have done this. And my response is, you weren't there. So shut your pie hole. Secondly, one of the things that happens with command staff, and I'm not saying your department, they are quite often political beasts. And they're appointed by mayors Mm -hmm. or the exact branch of the government, whatever it might be. And... You become labeled as, well, she's the wife of that murderer, so she can't be trusted, and people treat you differently. You you can't tell me that that has not been a thought in your mind that not everybody thinks that way, but do you walk around thinking, I got something to prove now because of association and what they did to Ben? No. I mean, when I first came back... um you know, after things died down and I was able to come back to work, I was met with every different reaction. I had people coming up and hugging on me and crying and praying. I had people giving me the wide eye. I've had people come up to me and tell me, your husband 100% screwed up and you need to get a divorce and leave him. Um, you know, all the tactical experts who think yeah. they know what they would have done if they were in that situation. Oh, which and, by the you know, way, Keelan, those people that do that all the time usually have never been in anything in their lives. And we call them mobile right, secretaries. Exactly. They never got blood in a uniform. <laughs> They're the last one there and they never got complaints because they never got there when the stuff was going on. But they're the first ones to offer right. their opinions. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I have a chip on my shoulder or that I'm trying to prove anything to anyone in my department. Um, you know, um, the department that I work for, um, has Ben's family used to work there. And so I kind of had that coming in, but I did, I'm my own person, you know, and, um, I don't live under the Darby, uh, named, I don't, I don't try to put myself up to that level, I guess. I don't really know how to say that. Um, but you know, I'm my own person and take it or leave it. If you don't like it, then keep going because this is, this is Keelan Darby. Yeah. And you sound like you're a pretty young person. How long have you been, you've been doing policing for seven years. How old are you now? Um, I'm 29. I'll be 30 in April and March will be my seven year mark. And I would say oh, I at seven at years, I got promoted to sergeant, and by 10 years, I was a wreck. And uh, that was just my story. And But you don't sound like you're mm-hmm. there. You sound like, yeah, you're upset. You're angry. And that's justified. That's expected. But you don't sound like you're handling it unreasonably. And you're not resorting to other things to deal with the stress of the situation. At least I hope you're not. No, no. Um, I have a very strong support group and um, very deep faith. And without those two, I don't know how I wouldn't be making it. I'm um, glad so I'm very that. thankful for the people in my circle. And anything I can do with the, the, the national radio show and the podcast and my social media, please, please let me know. I, I want to shift gears because I want to make sure we talk about uh, the Pipetter Foundation, Eddie and Andrea Gallagher, <laughs> and what they're doing for you. Because a lot of people and a lot of organizations that say they're, and I love this, I love this about police, and I'm being sarcastic. Anything you need, I'm right there for you. And then when you ask because you really need something, they're not. But they were and still are. Yeah, they've been there. Um, We reached out to them, and we have been in contact with them since April of last year. Um, And they've been there the whole time. Um, They've helped us raise a large amount of money to help with legal fees because, quite frankly, uh, and you can relate to this, 
I can't afford it on my salary. You know, um, we're six digits into his defense right now. And, you know, we're hoping for another trial with this appeal. And if that's the case, then I'm going to need more money. And, you know, I can't do it alone. So to have the help of the Gallagher's and the Pipe Hitter Foundation is huge. Um, they've, they have it on their website, um, pipehitterfoundation.org. And they have a picture of Ben and his story, and people can go on there and click on it, read about him, and then donate through there. Or people can also go to our website, standwithdarby.com, and there's links on that, as well as just more information about what happened and a little backstory on Ben and different podcasts and shows that I've been on talking about this situation in very much detail, um, because you just can't really get the gist of it in, in an hour. Um, no, but can't. the Piper Foundation has just—it's been a—it's been a godsend to us. What's the number one thing you need the most right now? I'm, I'm imagining monetary donations is the number one thing. It is. Um, I mean, like I said, we're we're six digits in, into um, in his defense right now. You know, thankfully the city covered his trial, which was 125 grand. Um, but we're about there right now in his appeal, and it's only gonna it's only gonna go up. So, um, yes, financial, financial donations are probably the biggest thing that I need right now. And every penny goes to Ben and his legal fees. Um, I, I live off of my salary that I make at my PD and I don't take any, every cent that I receive for Ben goes to Ben. And I want that to be clearly understood. Um, the second biggest thing that we can get people to help us with is to go to our social media and share our stuff. Um, all of our accounts are at Stand with Darby. They're all the same. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, if we post something, share it. If you're going out one night talk and talk to your buddy, hey, I heard about, did you hear about the Darby case? Talk about it because so many people don't know. Um, but those are probably the two biggest things that we have right now. Um, on our website, we have a newsletter one. that you can sign up for. This, I was going to say the yeah. social media is a big yeah. one because that that's that's how word gets spread and we all know there's news reports about uh, shadow banning and stuff where decision makers decide hey this one's not going to get organic reach so if people don't share if they don't those stupid emojis on the bottom of Facebook posts click them even if it's a mad face guy I don't care what it is. That's what will spread the word the most. And if you just share it on your page, it'll make a big difference. And when we get done, I'm going to follow and like your page, and I'll do the same. And anything you have that you need me to promote on social media, please let me know. We're running out of time. So the website, again, real quick, where you refer people to is? Standwithdarby.com, or they can go to pipehitterfoundation.org. And Keelan, please do me a big favor. Keep me abreast of what's going on. We'll plan on having you back on the show again in the future to talk more about what people can do. Thanks for your service, and thanks so much for, for coming on the show telling a very difficult story. Very much appreciated. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Mm-hmm.